0: Greetings program, hello, and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 38. I'm your host, Duncan Shields, and with me today is my radiant, adept, and powerful guest co-host, Niall McGowan. Welcome,
1: <laughs> Niall. I, like, I just want to come on the show all the time now. <laughs> These are the adjectives that are used every time I show up.
0: Excellent. All right, so let's see what happens in minute 38. Uh, Flynn sees Tron in action in a sweet five-way battle and then catches up with Ram a little bit back in the cell.
1: (laughs) This is really like, I hope you like Frisbee, because that's what this movie, that's what this minute is very much predominantly. Just like, yep, guys flinging Frisbees back and forth.
0: Frisbee showcase. This is the Frisbee stunt work that we got.
1: Although this is, is this the first time we see Tron as like you know obviously not the, the outside the computer but this is like our introduction to him as like a as a a program
0: as a warrior as a, as we, this is the first time we see him in action he was mm-hmm. in the cell with Ram and Flynn oh uh, of course yeah. in a scene before this although mm-hmm. he kind of had his back to kind of had his back to the to everybody so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting because he's sort of... They're in the cell before, and then he sees them in the fight. And then later, when they're about to... This is in a couple of minutes from now. He sees him and he's like, Alan? You know, because he sees his face. Yeah. And uh, Tron's like, no, my name's not Alan. That's the name of my user. And uh, mm-hmm. and then they get into it. But so he, he has... He's got two scenes with him before he sort of gets a close look at him.
1: Right, right. Um. That was one thing, though. Like, it kind of threw me when I actually first saw the movie, and now it's got me thinking: like, how many other films are there where the the title character isn't actually the lead of the movie? Like, it seems like because oh, you know, growing up, I, w- I would have assumed just hearing about Tron, oh, it's about a guy called it's, Tron. It's yeah, it's but about But then you watch Flynn, it's like it's no, about it's about Tron. a guy called Flynn and Tron is like he's a catalyst character and he is a major part of the plot and stuff, but he's not the lead the lead role. Um
0: Yeah, there is a cup. there was there was a movie like that called uh Clute. Clute starring yeah, starring uh Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland. And Donald Sutherland is a private detective and he's been hired to protect a prostitute played by jane fonda i saw it a long time ago i might be i might be remembering
1: oh is this uh, this k-l-u-t-e for some reason when you said i thought you you were like oh k-l-o-o-t for some reason i was like like, i've never heard of that but now thinking about it no this is this does sound familiar yeah
0: (laughs) yeah and donald sutherland's barely in the movie and he's he's like he plays like Jonathan Clute. He plays detective, whatever Clute. That's that's mm. the his name is the name of the movie. But mm. the movie is about uh, Jane Fonda's prostitute character uh, defending herself from the bad guy that's trying to chase her down or something like that. Mm. Like Donald that's Sutherland true. just kind of hangs around in the background. So
1: yeah, let's not think other ones, but like things like I guess like forgetting Sarah Marshall's like, well that's not about Kristen Belt's character. Like she's she's in it, but she she's the titular character, but she she's not Jason Siegel's the main character and stuff. but the big I one think, I was kinda yeah. thinking It gets into things like Rebecca, where like the character of Rebecca isn't even in isn't even in the film <laughs> <Yeah>. at all. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of a ghostly presence lingering above it. But I guess the big one I don't know if it would have been before I guess it would have to have been after this movie, but uh not so much a film, but like you know a computer franchise in itself would be Zelda. Because Zelda 'cause Zelda isn't about... yeah Zelda it's about you know link he's the he's the main guy right? and <laughs> and then yeah. zelda is the is the princess that he's you know tasked with with going after and stuff
0: yeah um, and and maybe the big lebowski,
1: oh that's true, that is true, yeah Because the, the big uh,
0: Lebowski is the guy in the mansion, right,
1: yeah that's right, yeah, so. Uh, Jeff Bridges is just, you know, he's just attracted to these, uh, well, I'll say attracted to them, he's done two of them, (laughs) but I really wanted to be included as well, but Donald Sutherland beat me to the punch. (laughs) All right,
0: so in the, so this battle here, here we go into this, uh, this light, what are they called, the disc, the disc battle. So Tron finishes striking down a program who disappears in a staccato of sweet sound design in front of the teal and salmon background of the walls of the arena. Mm. Yellow flashes and discs of light ascend heavenward as he derezzes. Now this was all, uh, I really was focusing on the sound design for this little bit because it's such the sound design in this movie is so iconic. The sound of yeah. Sark's cruiser and the sound of the light cycles and the sound of de-rezzing, the sound designer Frank Seraphine said he got the sound by running his micro through, microphone through a, a pitch to voltage converter, which triggered all of his mini Moog sounds and created a feedback loop through the microphone to the synthesizer. He says kind of like how Jimi Hendrix would put his guitar up to the speaker and create a feedback loop. Mm. So he'd, he'd yes. watch the footage and just like jiggle the microphone and shake it in his hands and stuff like that right next to the speaker.
1: Hmm. that is a thing i always i always do love hearing about like the the foley people and, and things like that like how are we going to come up with these sounds of things yeah. that don't exist <laughs> like you you just get them like oh i've got a i got a box of cornflakes and i just put the microphone and crunched it in there <laughs> like yeah that's that's your footprints now <laughs> like it's, it's just yeah. cornflakes
0: or though it was uh i remember they would have sound designers on letterman and stuff like that that would bring on this is this sound and this is this sound because it made for good TV mm. and she did I like breaking bones you just twist some celery near the mic no. right and so she she brings up some celery near the mic and she gives it a twist and the sound you're just like ouch oh <laughs> oh my gosh no oh that's the worst <laughs> it sounds exactly like some some bones splintering inside it's really that- really effective
1: wasn't it the one of Ben Burt's as well where like his – like I think his wife made like a lasagna or something and he heard like the bubbling of it and he was just like, oh my god, I gotta, he had to run and get a microphone to record the sound of the <laughs> lasagna bubbling because he was like, this is going to be perfect for a thing I need. So supposed to be actually – like you think it would be, oh, what a great life that must be. But I imagine they're probably under quite a bit of stress because they're just like, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've got to literally pull this out of my ass somehow. So you just be yeah, in constant terror, like I might not be able to, to find these sounds. And then when you do, we're just you like, gotta,
0: oh my <laughs> and you gotta try to, like a lot of the sound designers that I know, they have to really take the sounds around them and put, and then try to understand them out of context. Mm. You know, like this bowl falling down a concrete step could be what I need for this voice. Yeah. In this other project, they need to make these kind of bizarre connections. You know, they either have to mimic something exactly from real life using instruments that that you would never think of to recreate those sounds. Or they have to, when they're doing something like Tron or something fantastical, they have to just throw some stuff together to make something that sounds good in the end product. Like the the floating tanks in The Phantom Menace, the floating tanks from The Empire he the sound designer there the legendary sound designer i forget his name right now but ben, he had a, a ben burt isn't it so, i yeah. think that's ben burt yeah i think that is yeah. ben burt he had an electric shaver inside a metal mixing bowl so he would just put it against the uh, and then sort of run it around the bottom of the metal mixing bowl and it would kind of flange and go around and cycle and stutter and he was like oh perfect there you go it's a floating <laughs> tank floating
1: tank you know this sometimes he's just like I just had a bunch of stuff on the table I'm like uh, yeah, I don't know put this uh, <laughs> I don't know put this piece of jelly in some sort of in a bottle of coke or something like, does that make what a noise that. like whatever put that noise that, put is put that
0: uh, put that brick in the washing machine and we'll see uh, we'll see how that <laughs> yeah. see how that sounds like
1: that, that's, that's a lightsaber now <laughs> just like a yeah. of a brick in a washing machine
0: <laughs> what was the uh, one thing that I always one of my favorites is the siren in Ghostbusters mm is a screaming cheetah run backwards really? oh, yeah wow. that rare rare i thought that was just like an old 1930s siren from oh, yeah. that type of that type of uh ancient 1950s uh ambulance that they mm. used but it was not it's a it's an actual you know sound effect that they concocted for the film and that's how they oh. did it
1: yeah, the so I had the exact same assumption. So I was like, oh, "That's interesting to know that they actually went out and put in a little more effort to create something completely original." Yeah,
0: and nailed it. Like that's I could hear it right now. Like it's just that's a very iconic
1: sound. Yeah. Although speaking of the sound, though, um, one thing I do love about the movie that's not in these minutes because this is all essentially silent. Uh, the, the fight between Tron and the uh, uh, Sarks Sarks guys. Um, yeah. is a I was a big Wendy Carlos fan I really loved Wendy oh Jones yeah well. and, yeah uh, I used to be um, like very very kind of like v- very heavily into the soundtrack for A Clockwork Orange like it was one of my yeah. favorite, the most frequently played CDs when I was a teenager uh, a lot of it was because at the time uh, you would have experienced this a little bit Duncan I guess if you lived over in Edinburgh for a while but like you know yeah. Clockwork Orange was infamously banned over yeah. in the uh, you know, outside of America, over in the the, you know, the the European Isles and whatnot. That's right. Um, that's right. And so, like, it had the, particularly as a teenager, so it had this extra allure of like, oh, this is so, wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah, god, yeah. it's so intense, you can't even watch it. And then just getting little bits of it where you're just like, oh, here's the soundtrack, and I was like, this soundtrack's amazing. This is, it's just all, it's all Beethoven and stuff done through yeah. like a Moog synthesizer. So like, I still really love, like. I actually think I prefer the soundtrack over the finished movie now. <laughs> because finally after then after all that time eventually then seeing Clockwork Orange and really loving the imagery and stuff, still had a little bit of a like and It wasn't as good as I kind of thought it was going to be because I had <laughs> fucking yeah. seven or eight years of constantly hearing about it. Like, oh my god, it's so intense! Like, oh, you couldn't you couldn't release it now; it's just too much for people. And then you see it, and it's like, yeah. oh, it's not that bad by modern standards. But it wasn't even bad that I, by like nineteen seventy one standards. Really, it was. I thing it was just more the the death threats and whatnot that were landed in Kubrick's door that prompted him to ban it. But um, yeah, but yeah. So it was just you know, it is one thing. For I really love like Wendy Carlos's work in general and her work on Tron. Uh so it's just like, oh, you know. The, the, but again at the same time you have to know as a composer when to step back. So you could yeah. have put a load of like synthy stuff over the top of this to like you know em- emphasize the action, but like you know, you'd wonder if it was a choice of when they you just looking at this and going, doesn't need it, just this will this stands alone. Like it's it works better if there is just yeah. no music and it's just the sound effects. It I kinda,
0: wonder whose call that was, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I think do it know, does that one, stand like, alone. That is a point. Like, you, you think someone like John Williams or someone, he would have the clout to be like, I'm not making music for this scene. Oh, for sure. It. Or is it just the director goes, like, they, they might be out composing, or they maybe they just have a list of scenes where they just know, like, I want music here, I don't want it here and stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it yeah. could be a diff- different by a film basis as well.
0: Well, like Wendy Carlos kind of did a bunch of themes. right? Like, I don't think she really did a soundtrack for specific scenes. She was like, here's the titles, here's the different titles, here's a, I guess, a love theme, here's like a chase scene, you know, but they were all like, they weren't really punctuated with with then this happens and this happens and this happens. Like, I think, I don't know if they would have wanted her to do a scene like this. And they have, I think the editing took a long time, Mm. I think. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting into the realm of like I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> I wasn't there. I don't know. But uh, uh yeah that, it would that have been quite
1: a bit though, where, like some recently as well got really into the um you know the the Watchmen HBO show that's on at the minute. Yeah. Uh, and they've got like you watch it like an episode by episode as it's airing, you're like, Ah, oh, that one track was amazing. There's like re- some really brilliant bits of like ominous synth and stuff in that show. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, oh, it's Trent Reznor doing that as well. It's like, oh my God, it's a good you know, this show must be leading up to something. They got freaking Trent Reznor's coming to do the soundtrack for it. Um but then you go up you you listen to this one track, it's like what one in particular called How the West Was Really Won. You're like, Oh, that's so distinctive. I wonder if it was made exactly for this scene. And then as you yeah. watch the show, it's like, Oh, they use that a bunch of different times. Like it's just a track he's done. <laughs> You're <Yeah. laughs> just like, right, throw that one on. <laughs> that's that'll suit this scene as well, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, with the uh, with this scene here, other the some of the other sound effects that Frank Seraphine did was like the discs flying through the air are uh, they're a monkey scream run backwards yeah. through a through a flanger, and then the whooshing the whooshing element as they're flying around is he got a really <laughs> big cable and just <laughs> like, was spinning that in the air so you get that kind of whooshing sound.
1: That and Ghostbusters, though, is like that's the secret of the the sound designers of the. It 80s. seems like, to be what what you need to do is just find an animal and just play it backwards through a thing. Yeah, no one need ever know that that's what you did.
0: Yeah, like the every zombie movie, everybody seems to have pig screams. The when mm. the when the possessed are screaming, you gotta have a pig scream in there. And I'm like, oh well, okay. I think it was like when even, like, like
1: like Jurassic Park It's just like well, T Rex is like that's ah, a lion roar mixed with like i don't know an exploding cantaloupe or something like they've got and a real a, like like a foghorn or something go to what you know and just like that's that the that 90s i was like we're <laughs> gonna play that line or backwards it's like no <laughs> the, the, the deckhead has changed we're not we're out of the, the playing the things backwards now play them forwards for christ's sake yeah there's just <laughs> there's only so many animals we're finished <laughs> There's people going, It's like, you know, your cat sounds a lot like that laser bolt. <laughs> it's like, well, well
0: you know. Meow, meow, meow. Meow, 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 That'd be good. And uh, yeah, he says that, well, back then, well, Frank Seraphine back then was using uh, one quarter inch tape recorders, like a cassette tape stuff. And you mm. could get some really interesting effects by speeding up and slowing down the tape. And it's the kind of thing you don't get in your modern day digital workstations um i remember a, a sound designer i knew i saw i saw one of those uh a quarter inch tape recorder box effects uh equipment that you could have in uh, it was in a way back in the 90s and it was already an antique in the 90s but this box it had a clear window on the top and tape heads at each corner of the window and then cassette tape would spool out and get completely kinked and backed up and filling this like 7-inch by 7-inch shallow box with glass on top before starting to be wound in from the other side. And it looked Mm. like it would get tangled or break down in like 10 seconds, but it didn't. It just kept on spooling through chaotically. Mm. And all all that slack was there to let the machine read the tape and store it so you could play it back in real time, if I understand it correctly. But it looked like it was really impractical and that it would work for two seconds before it would get all tangled up. But it was very dependable, and you got lots of fantastic effects out of it. Very analog stuff compared to today's tools, even though it was using magnets and stuff like that. But Frank yeah. Seraphine is currently creating a Seraphine FX Tron plugin for Pro Tools that you can use to make those Tron sound effects. I'll have to uh, <laughs> I'll have to look into that.
1: What what other movies has he done? Has he done like any other really distinctive? Like oh, he was the guy who I don't know did the sound of jay and silent bob's you know smoking weed or something (laughs) like he was i'm not uh
0: i'm not sure i'm sure he must have done more like he's been very very active he's still he's still around he's still doing a bunch of stuff Mm. um what do we got here tron grand theft auto pocahontas wing commander interstate 76 oh a couple of small indie pictures called star trek the motion yeah. picture and Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Oh, he did Tron and Tron Legacy. Yeah. He's done a whole bunch of commercials and TV episodes for like Baywatch, Thunder in Paradise, Chrysler, <laughs> CBS, and Fox Ideas. He did the Ever Ready bunnies. Has uh, all sorts of uh, yeah, Nintendo, National Geographic, Mercedes. He's just I think he just uh, he's just been like just working a lot on a bunch of different things, both in TV and in film. Mm. oh no dang it no pay passed away
1: oh oh no
0: really recently too yeah he was struck by a car on September 12, 2018 in Palmdale, California
1: oh man that's a bummer (laughs) to discover that on air
0: (laughs) yeah what a huge bummer to discover that on air that's really sad ah well I'm sorry to hear that R.I.P. Frank Seraphine, you were pretty cool Oh my gosh, that's going to put a pall on things. <laughs>
1: so anyway, uh, oh. Tron's doing pretty well in this. Uh, this <laughs> anyway, Tron's fight doing here.
0: pretty well in the fight. Uh, <laughs> let's see there. Tron puts a hand on the program in front of him, his old pal of 10 years already at the time, Lloyd Catlett. And he mm. says, uh, hey, who's that guy? And Lloyd says, that's Tron. He fights for the users. And the program behind Flynn gives Flynn an impatient little shove. Mm. And I'm pretty sure that program is Michael Dudikoff. As we went over before, but the program behind him seems to be stuntman Eric Cord, mm. and Eric Cord has 132 credits on his IMDb. The latest of which is Monster Trucks in 2016, which ah. was a surprisingly a surprisingly good movie with really good effects, was, despite the the bonkers was, premise and the so-so. That was one of those
1: away. things. Like, I remember all the lead up. That I was like, Oh, this thing looks like it's gonna be awful and then it it's came out garbage like what do you know It was actually like a good film <laughs> they actually yeah. made a good film it as well
0: yeah i remember like this is going to be one of those ones that you're going to be able to turn into a drinking game because it's so bad and then it was <laughs> like oh this is really serviceable this is a delightful film and it's mm. well made and well paced and the effects are great i don't know what to do with myself right now
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> Like Monster Trucks, the the little movie that could. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the little movie that could, for sure.
0: Like Attack the Block or something like that, you know? One of these little indie films that was like, oh, you actually really hit the mark.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Attack the Block now is like going back to it, like all those people are like somebody now <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah. Like going uh, back to Monster Trucks, it's like, yeah, that monster turned out to be like he played like <laughs> Dalton Trumbo in something. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there was too many careers that blossomed out of out of monster trucks, but <laughs> hey, not that. yet. But you go back, not yet.
1: We'll see. Turns out That's like a I... next generation of Superman was in was in monster trucks or something. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't that too, I think that was actually um, also doesn't David Warner. He is he's Dean Kane's Jor El, isn't he? In like the. Like the, the Dean Kane Superman show, I think jor was in like one episode and it was David uh-huh. Warner, which is oh, like a good. very nefarious presence to have being like, you know, the voice of Superman's dad and stuff. Well, he like-
0: tries, he tries to like, there's an interview with him that I saw where he's not into playing villains anymore because he's oh, been typecast as a villain and he's not, he doesn't see himself as a villainous person. He's just a good actor. You know, but isn't that always like,
1: the thing of like the, the the really good villains? They don't see themselves as as the villain. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe like,
0: that's how that's what gives him even extra power as a villain. Is he's like, no, I'm not a villain. You know,
1: <laughs> so I'm just doing what like I do. They were for... Making a Rajal Ghul hero show about like what a great guy he was, <laughs> and that didn't he's realize just, I was a bad guy.
0: He's doing it for the greater good. I don't see what the problem is. You know. Like... <laughs> Yeah, but this uh, this guy Eric Cord, he's been in, in a lot of stuff. He his first credits in 1969 for Five the Hard Way, so he was already established by the time he was doing Tron. But he's mm-hmm. done Conquest for the Battle of the Apes, sorry, Conquest for the Planet of the Apes, Battle for the Planet of the Apes, Earthquake, Towering <laughs> Inferno, Damnation <laughs> Alley, Buck Rogers, Beastmaster, Cloak and Dagger, The Return of the Living Dead, Silver Bullet, Running Man, Midnight Run, Alien Nation, Twins, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters Two. Total Recall, RoboCop 2, Robin Hood, Con Air, Scream 3, Death Race, the latest <laughs> RoboCop, and a Fast and the Furious movie. Like So he's no, yeah, he's
1: he's doing, no slouch. He's doing good stuff. It's yeah. also quite telling that like I didn't blink when you messed up with saying, like, oh, Conquest for the Battle of the Apes. Because I was like, yeah, that's a title. <laughs> the, 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 the title <laughs> I called one of them that. <laughs> Yeah, like like, again, yeah, dawn of the dawn of the rise of the planet. Dawn of the, of the, the rise for the apes. fight
0: of the planet of the apes. That <laughs> kind of dramatic, that's, uh,
1: you can't just try to simplify it. You have to keep going and making them increasingly more ridiculous. Every that's right. I want, you want you to make.
0: see like a like a future poster for like the <laughs> the the nineteenth, you know, apes movie, and it just got, yeah, it has to be like conquest for the battle for the plan of the underneath of the of the planet of the apes or something <laughs> like that.
1: At this and point, they're, so... they're, they're, they're using CGI to bring back Rod, Rodney McDowell as Caesar. And stuff. <laughs> Andy Circus is Rodney McDowell as Caesar oh in my Conquest gosh. for the Planet of the...
0: Now you're talking.
1: Yeah. That's gotta get on at Disney. You got the rights get now. Get on at
0: Disney. Or if anybody's listening, get out in your Photoshop and like post it to the listeners page. Because that'd be something fun <laughs> to see. Let's see. Uh, yeah, he was also, as an actor, he was in The Sword and the Sorcerer and Total Recall. Which is mm. kind of fun. It's like, I mean, I like that as a stunt person. If you can deliver a line or two dependably, the production will often throw you a bit part just to save time. Especially yeah. if you need to like go through a window or get in a fight or fall down some stairs or something like that. Mm. I don't know. If so it's a uh, it's the thing that... though,
1: like, this is Arnie Total Recall, not Colin Farrell Total Recall, because I could get very judgmental about which one <laughs> he's, he's actually in.
0: I'm pretty sure it's Arnie Total Recall. I'm pretty sure it's back in the day Total Recall okay, okay. Although, I can let uh, that one go then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the remake that was just kind of forgettable. It had some neat art direction, but
1: It was one of those ones like I think like at the time it was just like it was actually like the RoboCop remake and then they did that remake yeah. of like Carrie and stuff. And a lot of people then when they actually did watch them were like, you know, it actually isn't that bad. Like it's not as good as the original, and it's no. just going kind to of, it's kind of pointless, but it's like it's okay. It's a watchable movie. But at the same time it's like yeah. if it's pointless and it's not doing anything to improve the original then it, it shouldn't exist it just should you no. know. just being serviceable isn't good enough to be like well not this at is all the new, this is a movie called robocop it's like that ain't robocop get the hell out of here <laughs> you know?
0: yeah i find that's the way that's what i really like like you gotta take something that wasn't that great and make it better you can't yeah. take something that was like the coolest film that anybody has ever seen and try to make a remake i'm like mm-hmm. well good luck with that. You know, I don't know, I don't know how you're going to do that. <laughs> and it's really, really hard to do. I think you
1: know? it's baffling things like Peter Jackson doing King Kong because his excuse was like, I really love King Kong. It's like my favorite movie. I'm like, well, why are you, why are you touching it then? was <laughs> like, I, I want to Yeah, it. Like, I was like, that's not good enough. <laughs> like, that's not a good reason to, to re- spend millions of dollars in remaking a, you know, and turn it into like a three and a half hour opus. You know, it's like, yeah. Go and find a movie I... that wasn't that good and, and do something. One, one I used to always say, like it d- deserves a remake, was um, Halloween three,
0: because right. that's
1: like a really solid idea for a movie, and it's just not quite there as a film. But now as time passes and I've seen it more, I'm like, yeah, you probably shouldn't touch this either, because it kind of a lot of its charm is that it's just like this oddity. Like yeah it's weird. a real
0: oddity i still i still have to see halloween 3 but i've heard a lot about it and i I really everything i've read about it i'm like oh my gosh i have to see this movie
1: it's, it's, it's genuinely like there's a lot there's long slogs of it that, that are very very boring like but yeah. when it hits it hits really well there's like certain scenes that like that are properly like oh this is this is great <laughs> but you know it, if you had a better uh, movie surrounding this this would have been amazing but and it's um, got
0: nothing to do with mike myers right
1: Oh no! Yeah, that, I think you see someone's watching the original Halloween on TV in the right. background. Like that's how disconnected yeah. it is. But yeah, it's, yeah, um, it's got um, I think like the ending of it. It's like one of the best endings of any movie. Like it, the, the actual final, the final scene of Halloween three is just like it, it ends on this really chilling note. And I always remember like oh yeah that that's that's a great ending. Like that's just the perfect way to end that movie. So for that alone, I would recommend uh, watching. Halloween three season of the witch, uh, <laughs> move I praise. said should have been remade. Like now I'm thinking, nah, actually no, just leave that alone too. Like that's like like now I'm beginning to think maybe you shouldn't remake anything because someone's going to appreciate the appreciate them for what they are. So maybe yeah, I just... think my
0: uh, my favorite call was the Westworld series. Oh yeah, because the Westworld movie was okay. Mm. You know, it was one of the first films to have like a CG sequence in it. And it had uh, some some high concept stuff in it, and some some okay acting, and a neat premise. But it was a very a very short exploration into it, and it was a very 70s film, mm. you know. And it was kind of like, eh, it's pretty good, but it's pretty dated. And it had a premise that they didn't really go de- in depth into. And so it was like, yeah, make something like that, you know, go hard on something like that.
1: The, the Westworld show, though, it didn't keep me. Like I watched that I, whole first season, and I was like, "This is I can, you know I see what you're doing here, but I think then, when I came back for season two, and people I knew were like really gearing up for it, and I was like, Ah, maybe I'll watch it eventually. I still have it. Like I'm still yeah, not like I've still i loved really-
0: i loved I loved season one, and season two got a bit a bit weird. Uh-huh. and uh, had some really, really good parts and some really fantastic concepts, but I think it, it almost lost me. But I'm I'm hyped for season three, because that's coming yeah. out soon. At the time <laughs> At of this the, recording, that's coming out soon. I
1: think uh, I think I held against season one, the fact that, like, you know, it did a lot of things that, like, oh, you didn't see coming, but I remember, like, within episode two, I was going, Jeffrey writes a robot. Like, that's clearly what sure. happened. And <laughs> then it's like, the, the second to last episode, they reveal, like, what well, you know, he was this guy. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like you think yeah. you think you're, yeah. you're you're cleverer than me that you, you I wouldn't see this coming or something. But,
0: there's people. Uh, there's people that yeah that you know once you've gone in depth on a bunch of popular media you, you're catching the hints way earlier and you're like
1: okay come on you're broadcasting it. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. So I think maybe a lot of that was just like why this this show this this thing this thing thinks it's outthinking me. But you ain't yeah. you ain't so hot in the Western world, but uh, yeah. Although maybe I might go in for because I like weird stuff, so maybe if I went in for like season two. I'd be like, oh, this is way better <laughs> this time. Well,
0: yeah, I don't know. Maybe give it a shot, right? Because they go to strange new places in season two that you might you might enjoy more than uh, more than in season one.
1: No, well, well, maybe we'll go give it a, give it a shout sometime. Yeah,
0: give it a shout, but you know that's uh, that's lots of that's time, that's mm. lots of time yeah
1: all right it's so the, it's, the, it's the it's the it's the hour-long commitment as well like oh so it's hour long it's like about 13 yeah hours. So it's, okay okay so it's 13 hours of my life i gotta <laughs> the yeah down like people
0: this. some of my friend was like you really gotta watch west wing it's a great show And i'm like sure okay and he's like well it was on for six seasons and there's 22 episodes a season i'm like oh okay <laughs> that's uh that's a whole lot. <laughs> I did. I did it though. I did it, and I really enjoyed it.
1: But it's even actually th- this evening because I've got like the the living room free, which has got the big projector screen. So I was like, I'll put on something that's got a lot of pizzazz. and I think I'm finally going to get around to watching Aquaman. And I oh. <laughs> it because it's I've seen it, it's two and a half hours long. I was like, I don't need two yep. and a half hours of but then I, I, I got a hold of a copy, time. and I checked, and I was like, well, it's actually technically two hours and ten minutes, because there's 20 minutes of end credits. Yeah. And it's like, well, two hours and ten minutes I could do, so maybe now is the time for Aquaman. But I'm still not entirely jazzed for it, so I'm just like, all right, let's see. I could just get myself psyched up. Because again, now, because I'm doing Batman forever on the show, and Nicole Kidman's in Aquaman, so it's like, I better watch the other DC superhero movie she was in. Just in case there's any sort of you know cross referential stuff or anything popping up there. It's an
0: interesting. It's Aquaman's a very interesting movie. It's like everybody had. It's like nobody said no. (laughs) They they got you know 18 million ideas and they were just like, let's put them all in there. Sounds great. And so they just (laughs) stuffed them all in the movie, you know. And I think it's a a little a little busy as a result, (laughs) but it's definitely got its visual moments for sure. Some of the underwater battles between like all the giant aquatic warrior creatures and stuff are just like this is fantastic.
1: Oh, also now you're selling it to me. Now I'm getting more in the mood to watch it. This is this is what I need for the night to be like, okay. Yeah. Getting into like you, getting into Aquaman.
0: It is what it is. And, you know, the bad stuff's not gonna catch you by surprise. But the good stuff's yeah. pretty pretty awesome. So and the casting's okay. great. You've got Dolph Lundgren and Willem Dafoe and it's like, oh come on, come on, this mm. is fantastic. Alright, so but back to the 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 disc fight. Here in this minute so a uh, a red there's a shot of Tron deflecting three attacks in a row from east west and south as they're all doing the good old attack the good guy one at a time maneuver he looks really badass doing it though and that sweet ricochet sound effect of the discs spinning off into space after being deflected is really cool props Mm -hmm. to Frank Seraphine then uh, a red warrior who somehow already has his disc back Hux's his disc at Tron. Tron flops onto his back and the disc misses him and collides with the warrior behind him, derezzing him. Now there's two opponents, I think. And Tron catches his disc with a sweet, no-look backhand catch, which is a little <laughs> strange because he didn't throw it in the previous shot, so I don't know why he's catching it. And then the um, one warrior throws his discs again and Tron deflects it. Then there's a shot of a warrior deflecting a blue. There's a shot of a warrior deflecting a blue disc with his own disc, but he just threw that disc, so I can't tell if this is a continuity error or if this is sort of a montage of the battle and not a mm-hmm. literal blow-by-blow of the battle because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you take it apart.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah. then uh, the blue disc, possibly Tron's, spins by itself in the darkness for a sweet little moment with a light trail behind it. And the Red Warrior does this amazing move of shooting the disc up and around and behind his head. And then it comes out from behind him. It's super flashy, and it looks impractical and almost Mm -hmm. impossible. But uh, it works really well, which makes me wonder. like They had a Frisbee expert named Sam Schatz come in and uh, teach everybody how to use the Frisbee identity discs. And (laughs) I wonder...
1: I was, I I was wonder, looking into was, this Sam Schatz because I was like, okay, so this guy had him credited as, like, okay, Frisbee expert. And then going to his IMDB, he's like, yeah, he's worked on Tron. And then, like, yeah Was it a Frisbee champion? <laughs> like, anything else about this guy? <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. this is his legacy. He's like, I was a Frisbee expert back in, like, the 90s. I was a Frisbee expert back in the early 80s. I was like, you yeah, made a bunch time. of yourself, <laughs> you know, since then? Like, nah, no, this is this is me. I, I went out on top.
0: Yeah, I guess so. It was hard to find. Uh, it was hard to find a lot more details about him. So who knows? Maybe he just yeah. uh, settle he's down a guy, with like, this. I gotta
1: imagine if you did a little digging, like you, you could potentially get him on the show because it's like, well, if he's not doing anything else, like, well, maybe, yeah. maybe unless he's like hardcore, like I never talk about Tron. Yeah, it's like the, dark, the darkest time of my life was when There's I That's a time like, of my
0: frisbee. life I've I've forgotten and I don't want to revisit.
1: Like, oh, he well. threw down that frisbee like never again. Never, never again will <laughs> I frisbee. The shot
0: of. The big garbage can in the foreground with a frisbee sticking out of it, and him walking away in the rain in the background. You
1: know? Until like the day that like I don't know is like his son's abducted or something, and he has to like <laughs> yeah, pick up the right. frisbee once again. I'm um, done throwing
0: frisbees. Oh, we need you, man. We need you. We need the magic.
1: <laughs> and just and I was on the so, speech. He's just like, all right, one more time. <laughs> one more on the, time. Puts on the shorts. To, <laughs> throws off the some, shoes. Uh,
0: there's some sweet test footage of Sam doing some tricks with the Frisbee and uh, the Tron armor against a white background because originally they were thinking of doing it against a white background instead of a black background. Hmm. But um, it's easier to make a black room than it is to make a white room. Yeah. Turns out because but... a white room needs a lot of light and a black room just needs a lot of velvet.
1: That's what, one of those things, like, not to, to skip ahead too much, but like when we cut, when, you know... When it cuts later on to Ram doing all his little, uh, you know, disc spinning tricks in yeah. his hand, and I think that this said in the trivia like that is Sam Schatz doing that. But the thing is, well, maybe it, maybe because it is a frisbee, like I was looking at those tricks, as and I think the movie's trying to be like, "Wow, look at this!" And I was kind of sitting like, "I think I could do that." Like that looks like it's just flipping yeah. a frisbee around over and over and you stuff. I don't think it's anything
0: it impressive. With it and it. yeah. Yeah, it's,
1: it's not like uh like It's kind of like uh yeah, I've got a, in the house at the minute there's like a, we've got a little uh 2-year-old boy. Yeah. And, like you do things in front of him like um he's got like a little you know a little play shopping till and it's got like little big big coins inside and you flip them and catch them. He's just amazed by that because it's like the most it's like it's, he's mind blowing He's only 2. The idea is you can flip a coin and catch it. But I imagine yeah. you show like I could I could be doing the, this, this like the most basic frisbee things in front of him, and he would be like at the way that the director of Tron was like I'm hoping <laughs> people are going to take away that this is supposed to be amazing that he's able to like spin it around on his finger and stuff. I was like, what else do you, do, you do with a frisbee when you're not throwing it? You just flip it around and stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. So, let's see Tron deflects. What's coming at him? And it bounces back to the red warrior who catches it over his head another sweet, sweet maneuver. Tron hucks his disc against a cowering, thicker warrior who shields himself but is knocked over by the force of the impact. I'm guessing this isn't the guy that we just saw with the sweet moves. This is a guy who's given up and maybe it wasn't that great in the first place, who's been absent from the last couple of volleys. Tron's disc flies off into space again and then boomerangs down, somehow striking the the warrior with the dope moves and derezzing him. Then Tron catches the Frisbee over his head, and Bruce Boxleitner is very proud of this one scene, this one shot when Bruce Boxleitner catches it over his head because apparently the director, Stephen Lisberger, wasn't feeling Bruce's Frisbee skills. He was like, you're, uh, you're, not, you're not doing a very good job here. Then Bruce was a little <laughs> offended because he was a fairly athletic guy and he thought he was doing really, really well, and he'd worked with Sam Schatz and all that. So mm-hmm. this scene of him catching the Frisbee over his head wasn't working. So Lisberger did take after take, eventually getting up on a stepladder behind the camera and really throwing the Frisbee really hard at, at Bruce. And uh, after a lot of takes, this one was coming right for his face, but he was all jazzed up and hopped up by now, and he plucked it out of the air in a fluid motion, and everyone mm-hmm. liked it. Mm-hmm. So he, whenever he sees this shot, he's just like, yes, Excellent! I came through. That was a challenging day, but it's all there on the screen. You know, it's a really sweet motion.
1: <laughs> Imagine he had like a little, like nowadays, he's out, uh, you know, bar hopping or something, and he's like looking at the talk up, some, like the chat up someone, like a date. He just has like this <laughs> clip of Tron on his phone, like, hey, you ever see this? Like, you ever see I this? <laughs> Pretty sweet
0: poetry in motion, eh? Yeah.
1: What was that like 40 years ago yeah but you know still got it where it <laughs> counts yeah but still right but still <laughs> what
0: are you doing later all right there we see uh, tron looks behind him just in time to see the final warrior throw his disc at him tron bats it aside and it presumably is off somewhere up in the air in a holding pattern or it's bounced over and ended up stuck on the ground somewhere because the final warrior is left naked with no defenses looking mm. super scared he knows yeah, what's that's coming. That's a great
1: shot of him. I really love yeah, that. Yeah,
0: he's just like, "Oh <gasps> no." And then uh Tron winds up for the pitch and lets it go and takes out this guy in cold-blooded unarmed murder, which I remember when I first saw this, I remember thinking, "Well, that wasn't very heroic of Tron." This guy uh he was just standing there. <laughs> but it sort of uh it paints the odds. But this oh. guy is uh this guy the last sort of fighter. That's Craig Chudy. His name's Craig Chudy. He's eighty-two these days. He's got four credits for stunts. He's got Die Laughing, Emergency, the TV series with that great theme song, The Poseidon Adventure, which I'm sure employed most of the stunt people in Hollywood at the time. He's got that (laughs) the big ship rolling over, like all of the stunt people are like, this, 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 this. The Poseidon Adventure, this, 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 this. I'm like, I think the call was out for like every single stunt person. He's got 23 credits as an actor, with the last one being in 1986, so he hasn't acted for a long time, but lots of lots of TV, like Adam-12, Mission Impossible, Columbo, MASH, Lost in Space, Man from U.N.C.L.E., all that kind of stuff. He's got a really recognizable, unique, stark face, mm. kind of a football jock, kind of meaty looking guy with a strong chin and a big forehead and small blue eyes, usually cast as guards and police officers and stuff like that. Yeah. So but here he's uh
1: going for that, the Charles Napier kinda vibe. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> just... Yeah.
0: And then Tron catches his disc after the last uh the last warrior dies. Again without looking because he is super cool. And then he looks up in triumph at Sark's carrier and holds up his disc in I don't know, triumph or protest. Yeah. <laughs> a pre a, a previous co host was thinking that since it's an identity disk, he's basically saying, "This is me." Yeah, like he's holding up the desk like this is me. You know, what's your What's your take on it? Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, it, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah. It's, it's actually it's a good question, really. Like what the I I just took it as a as a moment of triumph like just like you know this is my tool. Look at how adept I am with it. Yes, I am. I'm the best, basically. Um, yeah. But I, I do like it as like a kind of like, you know, at the same time being a this is me moment. And also, maybe is trying to make some kind of, you know, motion of defiance of like, you can't beat me. Like, you know, to, to suck yeah. and, and yeah. master control. Like, yeah, this, I am who I am. You can't defeat that. Look, I've just used this thing to destroy all these people. You ain't going to get me, kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's got to be it, too. Uh, In the commentary, it mentions that all the effects of the disc trail flying through the air and the effects of the light sources from the discs on the characters were all done by hand.
1: Hmm.
0: By, like, seasoned veteran effects animators at Disney. So that was one aspect of this super old-school technique being used in this cutting-edge film.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It's tough that it flopped because the visual effects director says that the movie had a 10-year head start on everybody else. Like, with with the... techniques that they'd pioneered they were like all right we're good to go and and go into the digital age and do some amazing stuff with computer graphics and with all these things that we've discovered but then tron didn't do well so they were like well pack it all up and then <laughs> a decade later they started doing stuff that they were already doing when prototyping mm-hmm. with tron so it's kind sense. of
1: you went on into, like, the Gastron legacy, because then you have, like, oh, we de-aged Jeff Bridges. Isn't this amazing? And people are like, eh. And then, like, Not, yeah. they do it with Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War. You're like Oh, my God, that's amazing. How did you do that?
0: Yeah, or, like, uh, oh, God, Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy 2.
1: Yeah, yeah. Guy that who very much really looks well like Jeff done. Bridges, which probably sticks it to him <laughs> even more. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it worked. The de-aging of Jeff Bridges worked for Clue. I think mm. because that makes them look a little unnatural but the actual real world flashback I watched it just the other day and I was like, "Oh, that doesn't it wasn't 100% at the time and every year that goes by it ages, you know, less and less well." Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, they tried. They gave it a shot and mm. they, you know, pushed the envelope for what could be done at the time, and that's all you can hope for when you're doing a movie like that.
1: Mm.
0: Then we cut to the identity yeah, the identity disc the tricks that you were talking about being played a couple of flips and some spins and i so like I'll, the I'll sound give
1: him the, the one that looks a little difficult is the fact that he's got it upside down while he's kind of doing yeah. it that's the one that's like, the i was like i still think i could do it but it looks like that is the real trick of like well how's it not falling off his finger and stuff but all the yeah. other ones are just like that's just flipping a frisbee around like it's an impressive thing
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, but I like that the now, sound like, of
1: that. Sam Schatz is one of your listeners. <laughs> He's calls it like, well, you do tell oh, that yeah. dick. I <laughs> want what, <laughs> what a frisbee. I will gladly pick up
0: the frisbee again. Put hey, you in I your got, place. <laughs> I got an email from Sam Schatz. That's great. Subject line, <laughs> you suck. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: Going down, well, going down, Like, honey, get my my frisbee out of the garbage. Like, you threw that frisbee in the garbage <laughs> in nineteen eighty
0: nine. I'm walking home late one night. I get a frisbee in the side of the head. I'm like, where Where did that come from? What's going on? <laughs> chuckling. You see
1: a car speeding off. Like the, the <laughs> car license, speeding off. in the back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like the uh, I like the sound effects here because it sounds like it's maybe porcelain or something. Mm. It doesn't sound like a. It doesn't have like the the thunk of of plastic. It's got this kind of high ringing of china or or uh, or porcelain or something like that. It doesn't. They did a really good job here just with sound of of making it not seem like it's a frisbee. It sounds like it's something that's got some real weight mm-hmm. and heft to it and is made of some alien material or something. I so do like, I like
1: the kind of. I like that aspect that like it's you know as he's using it, it's very heavily glowing and then it kind of comes to ease the light fades away and stuff like it's like it's at rest as well now that he stopped spinning it around and stuff yeah that was a pretty cool detail so then we see that
0: ram ram is the one that's flippy dipping the disc around and then flynn asks him what his name is and ram says it's ram and it's it's interesting because it cuts to ram inspecting his disc and flynn standing behind him but ram looks over like they weren't just talking and flynn is just <laughs> standing there so it doesn't really go with the earlier conversation i imagine that the hands playing with the disc was an insert shot to stuff in a little voiceover so it's not weird when flynn knows ram's name all of a sudden mm. something like that
1: oh, so ram so... Just has a distinct way of turning around to people <laughs> he likes <it>. yeah <laughs> It makes it make them feel special, like you've now got my entire attention that I've turned all right. I'm,
0: I'm focused. All eyes on you. All eyes on you, Flynn.
1: <laughs> we'll also say too, talking about the the dancer belt, the way Jeff Bridges is standing in that doorway. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm looking at his cross, like oh maybe there is a little more going on underneath that there, because it seems like it's <laughs> kind of like it's it's not meeting his thigh. Like there's there's something between between belt and thigh <laughs> going on there with the in that stance. Although that could be yeah. just Jeff Goldblum, or not Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Bridges, just like, oh yeah, the, pass by the craft service table and swipe myself a cucumber on the, on the way to the to do the take today.
0: Oh, yeah, his little, uh, yeah, his little, what do you call it, toga thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Poking out.
1: He's making, he just prodded yeah. that out. Just like, we're doing this take today, yeah, I'm going to be standing, I'm going to be completely <laughs> in frame in this doorway, right? Okay, get that puffed out a little bit there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, uh, those are, the in, in, yeah, there's a, in a, in a, I think a previous minute is uh, Bruce Boxleitner standing with his back to the camera, you know, and it's pretty, pretty revealing there. And then so, and then Flynn says, so, hey, Ram, what were you, you know, before, which I guess is the kind of question a lot of, um, I guess, prisoners or people in wars ask each other maybe, or maybe it isn't, I don't know, maybe that's the kind of thing you stay quiet about. I yeah, remember, it's a, like, it's the
1: thing. It's at least a thing in war movies that they always be like, oh, "Who are you out in the world?" Like that kind of thing. Like, oh, "Back home, I was just a chartered accountant." And yeah. Look at me now. Like, it 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 strikes me as a very um. It, it it's a bit of a trope, and you know, not in a, a in a negative way, of course, but like just yeah, that's a standard thing for like, you know, guys bonding who have been thrown together into harsh circumstances and yeah, feel the field of battle like. I so was you got anyone back home waiting for you? Like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they... for
0: sure. I remember that in uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm. When the Tom Hanks reveals that he's like a high school English teacher back home or something like that.
1: <laughs> and
0: then his, uh, his, like, his troops can't believe it. They're like, what? You're an English teacher? And he's like, uh, well, yeah, it's weird because no one back home could believe that I'm a soldier.
1: Hmm.
0: right so when i'm back maybe home, he, he was
1: expecting can. that from like ram was expecting that from flynn Here, He's like i'm an actuary uh actuarial program he's like expecting like a what you said you're an actuarial program <laughs> like, oh my god i can't believe it but then he's like oh okay i'm flynn yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it be pretty it'd be pretty cool yeah it'd be cool if you could capture that kind of moment like if you could have a, a like a program say like, Oh, I'm a you know, a cataloger. I'm a photograph cataloger program from mm-hmm. Sears or something, and then you're like, What? you know, but you're one of the most amazing warriors that we have here. How's that? <laughs> that'd be like that'd be pretty cool to have that moment.
1: Like you know that uh, Tron, he used to be clippy. That was yeah, that's how much of a talk he clippy. used to
0: be. <laughs> you might know me by another name. Does Clippy <laughs> ring a bell? It looks like you're trying to have a battle.
1: <laughs> There's a bad funny. mistake sometimes taking out a paper clip and lifting it up over his Oh, damn it. Take am out the Frisbee. Yeah.
0: Wrong backpack there. Let's, uh, let's go out of this one. That's funny. <laughs> uh, and then so it, that sort of brings us up to the end of this minute in terms of the differences between the uh, novel and the screenplay. In the novel, one of the conscripts mentions, while looking at the battle, that Tron has had 110 wins and no losses. Mm. So that's the get you get stats on them. And in the novel, the Red Warriors actually do attack Tron first, two at a time, and then full on four at a time. And Tron wounds one, causing the program to vent glowing energy or whatever these guys have for blood. And then he also sends his disc right through one of the Red's discs as the Red is trying to shield himself. But I guess they took that out to save it for the, like, the climax of the film. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, Flynn watches the whole match, not just a little bit. And then the fellow program tells him that the warrior name is Tron. And Flynn is like, what? Tron? <laughs> <laughs> I know that guy. So I'm I'm glad they took that out, too. <laughs>
1: He was my high school teacher. He was my
0: high school teacher. And then in his corner, uh, Sark gets the news that Tron won again. And he's like, what is it with this guy? You know, like increase the odds. Make him like put him up against six people next time. But he can't be executed. That's the Mm -hmm. thing is Sark. Like I can't just execute him. He needs to be defeated. He needs to die in the games.
1: It's uh, the classic, uh, classic villain thing. Like, oh, if I just kill him, I'll make him like a martyr. He'll be a yeah. symbol. I have to. I have to break him. Yeah. How many villains that that mentality has screwed over <laughs> in fiction throughout the ages? <laughs> right. Like you should have really just killed them, though. You know, we'll save yourself a lot of time. Yeah,
0: I like it. Like they've they've gone meta in a few in a few TV shows and movies now, where the bad guy just immediately takes out the good guy, or the good guy immediately takes out the bad guy, like at the first sign of trouble. When you're like, "What? Yeah. This was supposed to go like." what was that in uh, one episode of uh, Firefly when they've captured the pirates and there's one pirate, he he sets the engine of his ship up and running and puts the pirate next to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, pirate, you listen to me. I want you to go back to your boss and I want you to give him a message. And the pirate's (laughs) like, I will hunt you to the ends of the earth. I will never stop pursuing you. My name will be on your lips as you die. And he's like, oh, okay. Kicks that pirate into the engine and he dies. And then he gets another pirate and he's like, okay, I want you to give a message to your boss. And that next pirate's like, yeah, sure. Sounds great. You got it. Absolutely. I <laughs> actually,
1: yeah, actually do know that um, that pirate he puts into the engine. Uh, that's an actor called uh, Andrew Brianarsky. And okay. I know him because he played Chip Shrek in Batman Returns. He's oh, uh, outstanding! He's Chris Walken's son in, in that movie.
0: Oh, excellent! Oh, fantastic! Good, good, good.
1: Yeah. He's also Leatherface in the uh, the Platinum Dunes, like Jessica Biel remake of the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well,
0: he seems he comes across as a pretty big dude, so I'm not I'm not surprised that that's uh, that that's the case. He's got a pretty yeah. imposing, imposing uh, figure. Imposing. Oh, figure. we got a
1: lot of we got a lot of material out him because if you if if you watch him like throughout Batman Returns, it's it very obvious that he's doing a Chris Walken impression because he's playing Chris Walken's son. And oh, just okay. was like, what, what kind of a situation was that where you're on set with Chris Chris Walken? You have to do like, okay, so I guess I'm I'm talking like you now. You know? <laughs> would Walken <laughs> take offense to that, <laughs> or would he? Even... But um, but yeah, yeah, it was one of the one of the things that like, oh yeah, he was that he was that one guy from that episode of Firefly.
0: <laughs> nice, excellent. I'm really sorry that we didn't get a montage. Like I'm like that's the other difference in the screenplay this there's the whole scene in the screenplay of the part where there there's the, instead of this fight, there's a montage of Flynn and Ram and other on constructs, um, constructs learning and practicing the games and getting gear and armor and other stuff like that. Before cutting to Ram and Flynn having this conversation in the cell, but uh, it would have been cool to have that a montage.
1: I think when you we said montage, I instantly thought like it must have been a montage of Tron training and like out yeah. running and I don't know, doing push ups in a cell and Getting flipping around bit... the frisbee and things like that.
0: That's the thing. Team America's ruined a montage for me. Every single montage now, I just think of that song. We're gonna <laughs> but again need though a you montage. Could...
1: <laughs> Again though, if they got Devo in, you could have got Devo in doing like a cover of "Like You're the
0: Best, the Best," <laughs> but just doing it their way. You're the best. You're the best. You could like, that would be great. <laughs> uh, now That's I, I want to see Jesus. that now. I want to go <laughs> to the alternate universe where Devo did the soundtrack and they had the montage. That's right. <laughs> so I guess uh, yeah, this is a pretty long minute. Now we're getting into it. That's good but that takes sure. us to the end here. So I guess you want to go over again where people can find you if they want to hear more of you?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, if you want to hear more of me, you can find me uh, at BatMinute, uh, which is a podcast which is covering the Batman movies 89 through 97, uh, one minute at a time. We're doing... We're middle of Batman Forever, the minute, having a great time over there. Uh, and then you can find us on Twitter, just on at Bat uh, and We're on Facebook at the the BatMinute Listener's Cave. And then if you want us to just actually listen to the show, just... Without having to interact with me in any way, you guys are all good podcatchers. I believe we're also on Spotify. I've been I've been told this, but I'm not. I don't have Spotify myself. I've not tested it. I know people who have tested it and said they can't get it. <laughs> but oh. my co-host who set it up has assured me that we are on Spotify. So excellent. Um, hopefully, you might have better luck <laughs> than, <laughs> than some other people I know.
0: <laughs> nice. And then if you want to listen to us or get in touch with us, check out us uh, more on tronologicallyspeaking.com or just look for Tronologically Speaking on most of your podcatching devices. Uh, drop us a line on Twitter at Tronologically Speaking or an email at speaking at gmail.com or go to the Facebook Tronologically Speaking Minute by Minute listeners page and interact with us there. That'll be a, a, fun, a fun place to talk to us about the ins and outs and details of Tron. And then shout out to Pond5 for the intro and outro music, the sweet Tron-like music. And then special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to MoviesByMinutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. And if it isn't, consider doing one yourself. Alright. Do you want to do a little end of line on three?
1: Let's see if we can can capture the spirit of that first one. (laughs) Let's see if we can capture
0: it. Okay, we'll try our best. Three, two, one. End of life.
1: There I'll we go. Perfect. It well. <laughs> Nailed it. You Nailed can it. fix that. Now.